Big Josh Thompson. We call him Mr. Joshua because he's a killer. What's up, my man? You back from Japan. Now you had a nice trip. You're the dumbest traveler there is on the face of the planet. And I showed you your Delta Airlines. He said he got stuck he in Atlanta. He posted Big Josh Thompson. I thought it was because my face is so swollen still from traveling. I've, you can't even see my jawline, John. I have a very good jawline. You can agree to that. Oh, now you're always talking it, about it's a very jawline. good one. Right now, it's like just rounded. There's not. It's not like it's not like a distinct jawline like I normally have. It's because my face is so fat and puffy right now from all the flying. Yeah. Um, we had some hiccups a little bit last night uh in the uh in the travel so that kind of sucked but uh you know it is what it is it's what happens i flew look i had a great flight to straight the it was i slept the full did you have a good flight because i know that our listener amanda <laughs> was sitting next yes, this, she was fine she was fine i actually knocked out and then i think as soon as i knocked out she knocked out right after which was kind of nice um yeah and then uh fish our our uh, executive producer he was in the up in the delta one so it's oh. <laughs> yes okay. yes where the vi vi get to sit right it's uh, i was like yeah. okay okay yeah. um it's all about the it was waves. so great it was killing him that he had to sit in the get to go through the security line <laughs> it was <laughs> it was the best he's like well where's yeah, the first, where's the first line? he's no, like you're, no, no. You're, you're with, with us, us buddy. you're with bitch. us you're with the rest of us peasants <laughs> yeah. uh it was so great go. um now we had a good time. It was not bad. The the flight, uh, you know, the flight to, all the way there. I think it was a twelve and a half hour flight uh, to Atlanta from Japan. I was able to sleep uh, probably I'd say about nine and a half to ten hours of that, which was kind of nice. Oh damn, it was so nice. Damn. Yeah, I, damn. I slept the whole way, and luckily because I was asleep, Amanda stayed asleep too. <laughs> I said, "Just don't wake <laughs> me up. Do not wake me up." <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that was great. Um, there was one point where the the airlines turned the 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 cabin lights on for like 30 seconds and a lot. I was like, man, if I fucking can't go back to sleep, I'm going to file a written complaint. This is, <laughs> we, we were like three, we were like file. three or four hours in. Wow. I bet that, I bet they were scared. Uh, You're going to file a I was gonna get everyone's complaint. name on that plane and fucking file a written complaint. <laughs> we're like three hours in on a 12 and a half hour flight. You guys turned the fucking cabin lights on on the whole plane for really 30 seconds. Screw you. Just cause you what? Couldn't find the salt and pepper. <laughs> Fuck you. I'd have been so mad. Oh man. But look, it was a good trip. And when we got to Atlanta though, because we had left out of Japan a little uh late. My I missed my, my connecting flight, so that kind of sucked. Uh but outside of that, the rest of the travel was good. I was able to jump on the next flight out and then uh got in. I, they had me rebooked for the eleven PM flight. I wouldn't have got in until like one thirty, another thirty minutes to my house. I probably wouldn't have got home until two something. Yeah, it was it would have been brutal. It would have been brutal, but guess what? It has been good. It's been a good weekend, I and mean, we had fun in Japan. Um, you know, John and I, we, we think we're figuring out that I'm not much of a, if I can't walk to it from my hotel, I'm cool. Now, I'm yeah. cool with taking an Uber here and there and stuff, but there, there was such a language barrier in a lot of situations, which I understand. You're in Japan. I, mean, you don't, I think it's very um, snooty. Of Americans to go to another country and expect them expect them to understand English. I think it's just ridiculous. Oh, but yeah. um, ridiculous. you know, we try. I guess we try to we try to speak really slow English, like as if that's going to help them. It's like someone that speaks slow Japanese to me. I'm like, no simple. idea what you're everything, talking about. Everything. Come on, it's simple. Konnichiwa. Yeah. That's yeah. saying hello. You're good morning. Or Come on. Uh, but no, we had a great time. There was some really good food, man. That very first night we went to sushi. That sushi was amazing. 
amazing. It was so good. But, see, that's a, but that was one of those ones where it's different because, first off, you really don't get to order what you you know. You're not ordering. Oh, I want no. tuna, or I want Mm-mm. you know unagi mm-hmm. or salmon or whatever it's going to be. If this is a place where you go and they'll say, well, do you want lean fish? Do you want fatty fish? Do you want this type of thing? And they will decide what mm-hmm. they're going to serve you. And then they're going to tell you how yeah. you're going to eat it because they're going to say, no sauce. <laughs> this is true. I love that. Yeah, yeah. he was like, hey, a little bit of wasabi here. And they do the fresh wasabi, so they just do the root and they just grind it onto shark skin. Oh, dude, there's, they take shark yeah, skin awesome. with the root and they're just rubbing it down and they get the wasabi. It was so really cool. cool. But it is weird when you've got a chef looking at you going, sauce, sauce. Yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> he tells you what, which one to do, how to do it. You take the ginger, yeah. rub it on here, put this here. But it was, it was actually- a sushi style, like almost like a teppanyaki type place. Like when you remember when we go to like uh, teppanyaki where they make the food in front of you, it was like more of a sushi yeah. style because every- what we did is we, we well, ordered was 10 that- pieces of sushi, but every piece it was, was all di- about yes. presentation. And it took two hours. Yes, it did. It did take two hours. Two hours for those, per- yeah. for those 10 pieces because you got something in between yeah. it on each one. It was one great. Of them too. Like what it was. It was great until I had to pay for Sean Grandy's. <laughs> Sean ordered the more expensive fatty fish. Uh, no, it was fine. Come on. I had to pay. It's okay. I had, I had to pay for our executive <laughs> producer, by the way. So I don't want to hear any complaints. Because he, 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 went, he went all in. He, went, he got the biggest fatty fish. Yeah, he did. He got the extra beers and the extra whatever it was. Yeah, he went all in. Yeah. We got no, screwed. Sorry, right. right. we had a good time, though. It, look, what I like, though, is when, the, when you order sushi in the States, it says, okay, there's... You get a 10 piece, like, but it's one roll. It's the same roll for 10 pieces or whatever, eight piece, six piece, whatever it is in the States. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this was 10 pieces of sushi. Each piece was different. So like you didn't get tired of eating the same thing, you know, in your one roll. If you get a big roll, you know, in the States, it's like 10 pieces of one big long roll of whatever. But uh, it was funny because it was so original. And we were with, um, who were we with? I was uh, with Jay, with Jay and Jay's from Philly. And uh, I said, I said, yeah, as soon as I walked in, man, I asked him if we could do a Philly roll. <laughs> He's like, you did not. I was like, hell no, I didn't do that. But it was just funny because to see his face when I said it, it was great. It was great. Oh, man. But it was, uh, we had a great time, great experience. It was a little humid and hot over there like it normally is during this time of year. Oh, but yeah, I think, a lot, I think a lot of us were expecting it to be humid and hot, but it was hot. It was hot. Yeah, but it was nice. Uh, we had a lot to talk about, man. Uh, have you have you tried this? We do. Do you guys have this over where you're at, the Tapachico? You I don't do know how Tapachico is like water, seltzer water. They do everything. Like they do spark. I got Tapatio. Oh, I got that too here, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is like this is everywhere in Texas. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty really? good though. They do regular water. They do sparkling water. They do all different types of flavored, like seltzers. No alcohol. Not at least I haven't come across any that have alcohol in them. They do alcohol ones as do well. Do they do alcohol ones? Okay. Yeah. Well, see, this one, not. this is ginger and tangerine. It's got, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Are you anyway. sure there's no booze in there? <clears throat> I'm sure there's no booze, booze in here. <laughs> yeah. As I'm stuttering. <laughs> yeah. No, no, just mineral water. Yeah, mineral for taste. Yeah. That's it. Perfect. <clears throat> I hope there's no booze. And I just gave a little sip to my daughter and my son. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, hey, go ahead. Go ahead, Very guys. Nice. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and jump right into the UFC 291, man. It was a great, it was a very good weekend of fights. You know, we had uh, UFC, you had the boxing, you had Bellator, you had, 
Look, if you're a fight fan, you're, you were having to flip back and forth or you were just watching one, watching the next right after, whatever it was. No, what you're, you're sticking up multiple yeah. screens and watching each one all together at the same time. That's what a hardcore fan yeah, does. Yeah, so just do everything half-assed because you're not able to watch any of them at, at one time. That's <laughs> the way I look at that. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, I watched this and this at the same time. Yeah, so you missed both fucking fights. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but yeah, no, let's go ahead and start with the UFC 291. Uh, before we get started, though, go to WayneInAMerch.com. Pick up some of our merch that's available there and uh, enjoy the summer wear. We want to thank you guys so much for supporting us. WayneInAMerch.com. All right, guys, uh, let's go ahead. Let's jump in. UFC 291, Poirier versus Gaethje. What you think, bud? I thought it was the baddest motherfucker in the world fight, mm. man. <laughs> it was uh, <clears throat> like I, matching up. It's funny because we talked about this fight, and I, and I went back and forth because I thought it was a 50-50 fight. I really did. I was looked at it, and I go, yes, Dustin won the first one, but you know, Gaethje has it. And then, then I really I folded on to the part of elevation. That was the difference in my decision-making of who I was going to go with. And it never got to it. But I, I thought because Gaethje trains at elevation, Dustin's elevation is about 13 feet above sea level where he's training. You know, great place to train. But when it comes to when you, when you do fight at elevation, you feel it. You definitely feel it. You know, you, even if you go for a run in elevation, all of a sudden you're just you're gasping for air in a way that is just not normal. And it tends to stress your body. It, it makes you uh, just burn even more energy as things are going. So I thought in the end, I was like, I think it's going to go, you know, close to the distance. And I think in the end that it, Justin's going to have more gas. Never got to it, man. And I'll tell you what, I thought I thought Dustin looked really good in the mm -hmm. first round. I <laughs> thought he was, you know, he was popping the left hand. He was hitting him cleanly with the, the kicks. They were going back and forth on stuff. I gave the first round to Dustin. I thought he actually, you know, would yep. have won that round. You know, and Gaethje was doing what he was supposed to do, according to his coach and Trevor Whitman. He was very happy with what he did, and and he was very composed. And I and I really, this is one of those ones where people say, you know, Dustin's the same guy. Justin's the same guy. And I go, right no, he's close. not. He has absolutely changed his style. And what he's doing in fights, and he showed that in the first round because he was very composed at times when he would explode into situations trying to, you know, get back. You know, when he gets hit by a shot, he wasn't doing that. And so, you know, you can see that Trevor Whitman was very happy with what he did because he just wanted him. Hey, I want you to just get into the flow of the fight. I want you to go out there and just feel him. Let's see what he's doing. And he did that. And you know, people are going to sit there and this is no different than the Leon Edwards. This kick was set up. It was beautifully done. Now, Dustin was able to get that hand to it, but the hand alone, when the kick is hard, you know, your head's going to get rattled. And he got he got put out by that kick, and it was beautifully placed. The, the, the part I'm talking about is he did it same side. Most times we talk about I throw left, I kick right. I throw right, I kick left. And he came with a right hand, right, right kick, which is awkward as you're the guy seeing it because you're thinking that if he's going to come which way, he's going to come the opposite way. And he came up with that kick. It was well-timed, beautifully placed, and he got the win. And he deserved it. And, you know, great fight. I think if those guys fought 10 times, it's going to be 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. They're just so evenly matched. I just, I think I, I, <clears throat> I talked to Nauseam, I, I think, last show just about how Justin's changed. This was not going to yeah. be the same fight. He was not gonna. He was not gonna 
just listen, just listen to his interviews. Listen to the way he talked back then. Just not even around the, the Dustin fight, but other fights. He loves this stuff. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Like, you know, like he loved the way he fought. He likes the way he fights that back then. He understands, yeah. look, I've had two shots at the title. I came up short. This is it, man. Like that, that he's got a sense of focus about him. I'm not saying he's going to win the title. I'm saying though that he's, he's made a very good claim right now to get himself. If it's so weird that we're having this discussion because he took no damage in this fight. Very little. The fight ended early. Nope. He looked fantastic. Yep. And I said, Charles did not want to fight in October. This gives, honestly, I think, I honestly believe Justin Gaethje needs to stay training. I would not be surprised if Charles pulls out and this slides Gaethje right in. I would not be surprised because would be surprised for Charles, you? he wanted more time. He, ah, I need more time. This, this gives him a way out. Go get it. Now, the chances of Char of of him beating Islam, of Gaethje fighting Islam, and then um, the chance of him winning, I don't know. I'm going to lean, obviously, towards Islam, and I have nothing against Justin. I love Justin. I think he's fucking fantastic for the sport. I think he's a great fighter. Um, but because if Charles ends up fighting Islam and loses, then he won't be able to fight until Islam potentially loses. This gives him a chance to say if, Islam, if Justin does beat Islam, I slide right in with a guy that I've already beaten. Perfect. True. So if I, if I'm the UFC and Charles is kind of backpedaling a little bit, I'm okay. Justin, get ready. Slide you right in. Chance you beat him, and now I can you have you and Charles fight again. Then now it starts breaking up. Now it starts mixing things up a little bit more. Just speaking out loud. I mean, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I could see something like that because Charles just didn't want to. He wasn't too eager to to take that fight because it was too close. And last time he fought him was there in Abu Dhabi. So this this is another yeah. situation where I think Justin would be like, hey, I think Justin, if he is smart, he stays on track, stays training, stays developing his game, get ready for October. Just keep that in mind. Maybe even weigh in as a backup. You never know. And there's so like you, you take a look at it, there is so much time. He could take he could take a nice, you know, couple weeks off, up to a month off, jump into a camp and be right sure. there. So you're absolutely sure. right. You know, it could happen. But and uh but I, I just looked at this, you know. I, I, thinking off the top of my head, you gotta love a guy in Justin Gaethje. I would say out of what out of his last ten fights, how many have gone to decision? One. Yeah, the the um the Chandler fight, Chandler fight, which was a phenomenal yeah. fight, phenomenal fight. But how many have gone to decision? Chandler. One, um, you know? Michael Chandler, uh, Fazeev, two. Oh, two. That's right. He had Fazeev. I forgot Nothing about that. Nothing besides yep. that. No, yeah, he either yep. wins by. Uh, Knockout or TKO, or he loses by a knockout TKO. Loses by it, you know. Which, <clears throat> no, I, he's called the human highlight reel for a reason. But I do believe that this version is a better version. Absolutely. It may not be quite as exciting, you know, at times, you know, because you're not going to get that guy because he got stung. You know, if you look, he got mm -hmm. hurt in that first round by uh, Dustin. Dustin hit him with a clean left hand, and you could see when he went back, he was. He was having, you know, some issues with his stability and stuff. So, yeah, he's just a, a he's a gutsy goddamn fighter, but he is fighting smarter now as he's getting older in the, you know, in the sport and realizing, hey, man, I can't take all of these, you know, car crashes all the time and continue on. So I got to do this a different way. He really showed that in the first round. He did get hurt. I thought Dustin was fighting beautifully, but 
Nice, nice win by Justin Gaethje. He is the baddest. <clears throat> yeah, I had Dustin, like you said. I had Dustin win in the first round. Uh, Justin, though, didn't look out of place. He looked like he, there was something no. on his mind that he was focusing on, looking for setups, looking for movements. You know, he was looking, he was really processing, I feel like, okay, I got hit, circle out, don't stand and bang. But he was worried about the cut. He kept on at it. And I'm like, that's strange, because I don't see him do that very often. I think because he has slowed down, John, that before when he got cut in fights, he would just bite down his mouthpiece and keep punching and swinging. So then the, it didn't matter what the yeah. cut happened. Didn't matter. Like he's like, ah, it's yeah. not bothering me. Like the adrenaline gets going. You're not focused on the cut. But then when you have a second to yeah. really step away, circle out, get away from the opponent from hitting you. Oh, shit, I have cut. Damn, I'm bleeding. Okay, you think about it a second. He was never the fighter that concerned himself with those little things. Because, look, I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to no. knock this guy out in a second. Like, that's the way he thought. <clears throat> um, I think I said in the last show, I had said a while back that he, I was always a big fan, liked him. Did I was like, you know, and even when he was with the WEC, all of those things, or not WEC, um, World, yeah. Ser World Series World of Fighting. Of fighting. <clears throat> um, yeah. But after his first, like, several fights in the UFC, I was like, man, you can't keep crashing your car this way. Like, that type of mentality. I go, because... You're a great fighter. You're you're fun. You've got power. You do a lot of great things. You got good wrestling. You're all these things. <clears throat> but I started I started getting concerned more for his health. Just because it doesn't matter how much I love watching him fight. I still think that way. I, yeah. I think about fighters past. I'm I'm five years removed around that uh, from the from the sport. And I gotta be honest, man, there's a lot of things that just don't click anymore in terms of mentally. There's things that physically don't they aren't the same. And that's only, I'm only five years removed when I hit another five or six or, and it's also too, <clears throat> the least I, the, the, as I don't work out as often and as hard, I've noticed I have more problems physically. So when I get back into working out, I still have less problems. It's holding my body together. Like it just is making oh, me yeah. feel better. And all these fighters, and I'm not just talking about Justin. I'm talking about every fighter. When we're done, you got to stay working out. You got to stay on the grind. I'm not saying you need to push yourself to the limit like you're going to fight, but you need to keep that no. same that can't, the same type of energy. Don't just think you can run off and not train. I haven't got to keep. The I've only been running. training maybe twice a week now, and it's, I'm feeling a big difference. When I was training three to four times a week, I felt a lot better. So I got to get back on track. The move kind of threw me off a lot, but uh, you know now I got all the weights and the equipment here. But it's I'm just being honest. I don't, I didn't want to see back then. And I know he kind of took some offense to something that I said on on a on our podcast a long time ago because <clears throat> I had posted it and he's like, and he writes down, he's like, he just wrote derp, like whatever, pretty much, you know, and I, but that was very respectful. I get it. Like he didn't like what I said. He's like, derp, you know, like <laughs> it's kind of funny, but I was like, look, man, it's because I care. It's some, you want fighters to feel, Oh, I love the way you fight, but I want but you to, it, I want you to have a life after fighting. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, when he fought, when he first came to the UFC, he you know, faced Michael yeah. Johnson first. And I did that fight. And look, he got hurt multiple times in that fight, two times badly, right? And after the fight, I'm you know talking with him, and I said, "Hey, fantastic performance, brother!" I said, especially coming back, I said, "You you know as badly as you were hurt." He goes, "I was never hurt," and I go, "Yeah, you just don't remember it." I go, "You were yeah. you were hurt bad." He goes, "John, I was never hurt," and I go, "Go yeah. back and watch the fight," <laughs> you know, and it's like, "Yeah, you were," but you know. You got to look at those and you got to learn from those things about, again, yeah, I can only, I can only take so many crashes before the crashes start to make my car limp down the road. Yeah. 
Uh, look, he's he's on his way. I think he probably would be next in line for a title shot if Charles does pull out. He slides right in, so I hope he stays yeah, training. Absolutely. That all that stuff, all that positive stuff being said about Justin. But I'm going to go on to the next thing about Dustin, the positivity he showed in the press conference. Oh, <clears> God damn, I love There's him. not, there's not. I've said this forever, but I just wasn't able to put it as eloquent, eloquently as him. Eloquently. As him. It was very smart. Look, you're winning at life, man. This is not like, and I, I was, was I telling you when we were having lunch people the other put, day? People put too much emphasis on a fight. Yeah. You know, fans put too much emphasis on fights. Fighters at times put too much emphasis on the winning and losing of a fight. Like it's life or death. And yeah. I keep telling people, it's a fight. If the worst thing that ever happens to you, I yeah. said it to you. If the worst thing that ever happens to you is you lose a fight, you got a fucking great life. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Yeah. And it's not. You know, you go out, you do your best. And sometimes your best is going to get you where you want to be. Sometimes your best is not going to be good enough. And that's okay. As long as you're, as long as you're giving it your best, you can't ask for anything. I just admire, more. I admire the fact that he he said it so nicely. He said it perfectly. It's like I'm winning that life, man, and not in yeah. in at a stage when when I was younger, coming up, this sport wasn't even around. This I I, I didn't know what I was gonna do. None of us, none of these fighters, none of these guys. This sport. That's how new this sport was. It changed our lives. None of us would ever have this lifestyle ever. That's right. Dustin making the amount of money he's making right now. Uh, Gaethje making the amount of money he's making. The, mo the amount of money I made. I don't think we would have ever made that amount of money doing anything else that that we maybe would have got ourselves into. Possibly. Yeah. But I doubt it. Yeah. I really, really do doubt it. And when he said, I'm winning at life. Fuck, those couldn't be more truer words. Fucking a, there you go like that, and just it was nice to hear him say it. it was great that he understood. Look, I've been here, I've done that. You no. know, it's it's fine. I'll no, get myself no, back. No one wants to yeah. lose, man. You do this, you do this to win, and that's. But there can only be one that wins, and sometimes you're going to come up on the short yeah. end of it, and it sucks. But you you put it in its perspective, you understand it, you f learn what you can from the experience, and move yep. on. Hey, man, but tip my hat to both these guys. I know uh, the fight didn't go oh. as long as everyone was thinking or it didn't, wasn't, they didn't have the back and nope. forth battles like it was like It was the first fight. But look, this is the fight game. This shit happens. Dustin's going to be back. I see Dustin making another title run. He's still young. He's not old. People, like, he's been around so long and fought the who's who in this sport. He's not old. He's got another run, at least maybe even two. What is he, 33, 34, Dustin? I don't even know sure. if he's that old. He might be 32, 33. How old is he? 34. I don't think he's 34. 34. Okay, so 34. 33, 34 years old. He's got another run for sure. And then how old is Justin? 35? Uh, is he older? I think. I was thinking he was actually younger. He's like a 30. He's loading. Uh, 34 as well. Both 34. 34. Both got another title run. Well, shit. Justin's got one right now. <laughs> I was going to say, he's, <clears throat> he's right in the middle of it. Well, okay, what do you think of Connor calling out? <laughs> Justin Gaethje after the fight. It, it's all. It's like it's a. It's a matter of staying relevant. You're not fighting. You're not. You know, in the fucking USADA program, so you can fight. You're supposed to fight Michael Chandler. You've got all these things going on, but no. But he keeps himself relevant just with one tweet. I don't think anyone takes him serious anymore. Like I, I think I don't think the fighters I, I don't do. Think they do. 
But the media does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the fighters. Does. Yeah, the fighters don't. The fighters are like, they, I don't no. think they take him serious anymore. And then the other thing, too, is I think Dustin also came out and then Justin saying, I'm not going to fight anyone on steroids. And then Justin coming out and saying that, or Ju- Dustin saying, until you're back in the USADA pool, I don't want to hear your, I don't want to hear your name. I don't want to hear your voice. I don't want to read your tweets. I don't give a shit. You're not, you're not, you're not in the yeah. USADA pool. And if you decide to make the adjustment for him to come back just so we can sell pay per views, you're making a mockery of the sport. Very well put. Very true. Well, it's happened it before. It definitely has. Are they going to do it <clears throat> it's again? It's funny because I love to hear the the fans just go, oh, but UFC has USADA. Okay. <laughs> just, uh, they, they've, well, they've, it, done, like, they've made loopholes, on. buddy. They've created loopholes for, for the people they want. They have. But it, it's like, it, you got to be honest to say, it's, a, it's an absolute upside in the sport that the UFC went to the USADA program. It is. You got to give them credit for doing it because it cost a ton mm. of money. And that is all out of their, you know, expense sheet. So it's the amount of money it cost, And it is in situations like this. You, you think Dana likes this, that he can't just put Connor in a yeah. fight. You know, he, he's like, ah, this is a son of a bitch. What am I going to do? And he's trying to figure things out. And it is a problem for them at times. So you can take a look and say, you know, they put a ton of money out and it's the best thing for the sport. But sometimes it's not the best thing for that. That's true. All right. Next fight. Oh, Alex Pereira against Jan Blahovic. This this fight was, uh, it was a little bit different. I thought Blahovic came out and did exactly what I said. Look, if he wants to win that fight, He's got to take the fight to the ground. I don't care about, you know, the whole thing with all oh, Polish power and stuff like that. But Pereira is a better stand-up fighter overall than Blahovic. Mm-hmm. But Blahovic does have the ability to take him to the ground. And if he's in on the ground in those positions, he needs to just do work. I thought he was really smart in the first round. He did exactly what he was supposed to do in trying to take the fight to the ground. He gets to the ground. He didn't do enough damage. I'm just being honest. You know, he wins the round. But the payoff you get from winning the round and getting that takedown is you have the ability to damage your opponent where his ability to damage you is significantly less. And he wasn't able to take advantage of that. And that was a big problem for him when it came into the second mm-hmm. round. I mean, I just looked at it as when I saw, when I, when I saw, the amount of leg kicks, the amount of calf kicks, the amount of like we able to break up the momentum of the fight for Jan. And everyone kept saying like, oh, this is a Jan got ripped off. Jan came out and put a tweet out there. He got ripped off. I was like, no, you Sorry. didn't. I, I, I had him losing the fight. Yes, he yeah, lost I, the fight. Just because you got a takedown with what, 30 seconds left in the third round after losing four minutes and 30 seconds just, of the round. You think the fucking <laughs> takedown is what gives you the win? Come yeah, on. I, and just it was just I think the accumulation of leg kicks, knocking him off balance, knocking him off, like breaking the momentum of the and the rhythm of his combinations or his his shooting, all of those things. I mean, look, it wasn't the fight that we all thought we were going to get. That was the other thing, no. you know. And what you see is you see two fighters with this looming vacant title there. This yeah. this is like looming around their head, and the pressure. I honestly believe the pressure got to both of them. Neither one of them fought their best fights. It wasn't a great fight. It was like a fight, you know, like where it comes down to this from 
from just I would almost almost like a lack of action. <laughs> but but hold on, see if you're in the Blahovich camp, it can't be a great fight, and you get the win, because Josh, to be honest, this is no different than when he fought Izzy. You know, did Jan Blahovich win with Polish power when he beat Izzy? No. How did he win? He yeah. took him down and was able to control him on the ground, land some shots, dictate the, the placement of the fight, and keep Izzy from utilizing the greatest skill he has. That's what he needed to do to beat Pereira, and he wasn't able well, to me, do well, it. He was able to do it in the first round. He was able to get him down in the third round and do nothing, mm-hmm. you know, as far as he landed uh, a shot to the chest. Really, after that, nothing landed that he Well, I take threw. some offense to your comment, so, John. You said, like, oh, he couldn't take... Like, you're, you're basically saying that people that take people down couldn't have a, a great fight. He could have had a great fight had he just postured up and thrown some damage. He just chose not no, to. because he would have finished no. the fight. He would have finished the fight. What do you mean? He wouldn't or wouldn't? He could have. I think if Blahovich, with his ability to strike and how strong he is, if he did posture up and just was throwing heavy... because. There's no submission threat there. Where's the submission? No, threat I get threat? it. I'm saying that that you're saying there he couldn't none. have had a a, a a great fight. That's what you said. No, no, I'm not saying uh, no. A great, dis, you know, a great fight going to a decision. That's not going to happen for Blahovich. This, if he postures up and does a lot of good ground and pound, I think he can get I think him he out. Could of have. That's what I meant. I meant okay. That, okay he, so then, uh, then okay. So yeah. we agree. He 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 needed to stand. He needed to posture up. He could have he could have had a great fight yes. had he postured up and yes. let the punches go because he could have got him out of there. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, I don't I don't blame him for what he did in in the mm-hmm. first round. He had his back. He was looking for mm-hmm. the choke. I can't ask anything more of him. But for you to you know be in the position where you're in the stand up with this guy, now you're in the position where he's at his most dangerous. You know, you've got to take him out of that. He wasn't able to take him out of that. And that's, he he took a lot of hard shots. He took a lot of leg kicks. The calf kicks were eating him up. Yeah. You know, and you can, again, it's when you hit the ground, what do you do when you hit the ground? You know, it's, are you looking for the submission? Great. And you're attempting submissions. Great. You're doing, you know, that's in its form, it's damage. If you're going after the punches, they can't be these little tiny rabbit punches that doesn't do anything. You've got to posture up and do damage to him because every shot that you land, every one, and you can see it in the other fights. Look at some of these fights when guys were getting hit on the ground. Look at Bobby Green and, and Tony Ferguson. Look at some of the shots that landed, and you see how it starts to diminish the fighter from being able to be as effective as yeah. they are. And that's what, you know, I, I looked at Jan Blachowicz had to do those things to prayer to be successful in the fight. And he wasn't able to do those True. enough. All right, next fight. <clears throat> Derek Lewis taking on Marcos Rosario de Lima. Derek Lewis decides, I fuck it, coming out with a flying <laughs> knee. Switch knee, dude. <laughs> I loved it. Okay. I'm not sure how much he hurt de Lima with the knee itself. You think he really hurt him badly with the knee? I think it knocked yeah. him off balance. I think it put him on his butt. And I always say, look, you cannot be underneath Derek Lewis when he starts ground and pounding. He lands big, heavy shots, and I think that just added up. And, you know, he ended up putting DeLima away with it. When DeLima went to Turtle, you know, he's just, 
You know, you can only let him take so many shots before you say, dude, you got to move. And he doesn't want to move because he's just getting crushed. And uh, Mr. Hot Pants, Tarek Lima, puts another one away and has one of the class, classic, you know, after fight, you know, interviews. I love the dude, right? He takes his pants off. He's dancing all around. You got to love the, him. Uh, is that a Triple H thing where he does the... Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> what's it, that, what's that it called? That used to be Generation X. Suck it. Suck, Suck it. it. Very, very funny. Very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just funny, man. He made some nice comments about his wife. Also. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust those guts. <laughs> I'm going to bust, bust those, those guts. guts. <laughs> oh, man. This guy. He's hilarious. He's awesome. He's hilarious. He's uh, awesome. He's good for the sport. I'm glad he won. Um, I think that division needs guys like him. Uh, it's... Yep. There's not much I can really say about the. I, I really believe he just got knocked over, Delima, and then once you get on top, I mean, you don't want to deal with that. Look, I've had to deal with. I mean, how how, t- how tall is Derek Lewis? I mean, not tall, but how much do you think he weighs? Six four. He's six four. How much yeah, did he weighs, weigh? He looked a lot leaner this fight. How much did he weigh for this fight? You know, he did. Well, he weighed in at two sixty three. He's probably two seventy five. What do you What do you walk around at? Yeah. Right now. Right now. Two. 265 okay okay so so my point being is that i've been stuck underneath 265 before okay someone just fell down one time <laughs> tripped in, in the in the ring and just tri- fell on top of me and yeah. just i understand yeah, just, what it's like like delima bad timing feel, you want you want to admit bad timing by you to be there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean like it just but <laughs> it's you know when the building starts to crash down on you you have nowhere to run that's kind of yeah. where i was stuck yeah there's just nowhere stuck. to go yeah, uh, I mean, look, this is the fight game, but you don't, definitely don't want to be under uh, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, every time he's been on no. top of someone, pretty much every time he finds a way to destroy their life. <laughs> whenever he is in the top yeah. position, he wins yeah, the fight. he's nasty. Yeah, he is nasty from that. So I just love it, the, the take your shorts off thing. Oh, he's, <laughs> come on, he is so He's so funny. He's a breath, because you never know what he's going to do. You know, you never know what he's going to say, but it's always classic. Mm-hmm. It's classic, it is. and you go, yeah, that's Derek. That's yeah. awesome. Next so, fight. Congratulations on the win, man. It was great. Bobby Green taking on Tony Ferguson. Kind of mentioned this one. Ah, Josh, you look at the difference. Speed. Bobby was just way faster than Tony. He was able. You know, the one of the things, that, and I loved what Tony was doing. I thought it was the right game plan. Look at if you're going to, you know, have someone that you know, look, he's faster mm-hmm. than me. I've got to put pressure on them and make it to where they're not comfortable and not feeling like they can just move whenever they want. They can just explode whenever they want. But one of the bad things when you're facing Bobby Green, not a whole lot of fighters can fight off their back foot. Bobby Green can fight off his back foot. And he did fight off his back foot because Tony was forcing him in that direction, but he was still accurate and he was landing some good shots. And just as the fight was going on, I thought Tony was working really hard. I thought he was doing you know, a good job throughout a lot of it. There was just the harder shots were always being landed by mm-hmm. Bobby. Just, you know, Tony would land a good shot, and then, then Bobby would land one that's just a little bit better. And then Tony would do something where you know, he'd land a shot, and then Bobby would do better. I know he kind of knocked him down, but that was in the first round. But Bobby was, he was on one leg because he was throwing a kick, so he's off balance. It really it wasn't that he was hurt. And there was multiple times that Bobby landed shots that you could see they stung Tony. Tony going to a, you know, a semi-Imanari role in it, you know, at one point. And then, you know, towards the, the end of the third, you know, 
end of the third when the submission happened, look, you got to give it to uh, Bobby Green for going down the ground every time he went to the ground with him. You know, they were talking about how dangerous Tony was. Tony never came yeah. close to anything as far as stopping what Bobby Green was doing. Bobby was posturing. We talk about posture all the time. There's a perfect you know example of someone post posturing and making it to where a guy that is good at submission doesn't even get close. Doesn't even get close based upon what his opponent is doing. Bobby Green fought a beautiful fight. I think Bobby, I agree with you. Bobby fought a fantastic fight, but go ahead. Tony just looks old, man. Watching, I watching him shoot, watching him. He just, he looks so slow. Like his shots were slow. slow. Like he couldn't even go all the way to his knees for the penetration. Like he was, well, it was all okay. Hold on. You you know how, let me ask you this. When you, when you watch the shot, this, I swear to God, this went through my mind. When we teach someone how to shoot, what do we teach level drop drop lower levels penetration shoot in step, yeah did it did it not look like a practice penetration step coming from tony to get that takedown i think he's almost like he yeah. does when he comes into the cage every time and you'll see him you know do a penetration mm-hmm. step you know and he'll do it back and forth each side it almost looked like that and it was like it almost looked like that was. But, but hey, someone someone slow. did this though, and I, I don't know if Dave can pull it up or find it. There's a video of him back in like 2013, 2012, 2013 of him doing his penetration shots as warm up inside the cage, and they do it year by year. Yeah, he does do it, it year by year. And guess what? Oh, they, yeah. It goes from yeah, explosive, explosive to it gets worse, worse to where he doesn't even go to his knee anymore. He just like, and you can just see almost like a grimace on his face. Cause it hurt like it's whether it's his hip, whether it's his knees, whether Angel, it's his back and injuries. He just, he doesn't, I don't know if he's a type of person that takes care of his body, but there's, there's a, like a short little video that someone put out of him doing that penetration shot before his fights. And it's just, it's changed. And as you watch yeah. each video go by, you see his face, you see his hair, his head, his body, everything looks, looks older. And I, I don't, I, I look, I admire him as a fighter. Everyone's like, oh, you talk shit. I don't know. I don't, that look like, remember we talking about like, like, oh, he beat you. Then I'm like, bro, I don't give a fuck. In 10 years, no one, like, it's not even been 10 years yet. People don't give a fuck about, who cares? You know I mean? Like, these fights won't mean shit in years. Doesn't matter. We can talk about the best oh. fights in the world. There's fights that, yeah. There you go. Is this the thing right here? Yes, yeah, what I'm talking about. about. His shots, yeah. See, look how smooth he is in 2014, 2015. Yeah. Look at now it's starting to slow down a little bit. 2019. And then 22, like he doesn't, he, he did, look, see that one, he doesn't even do it. Oh, he doesn't even do yeah. that one. He did it. He did it to the one yep. side. He went to get yep. shoot to the other side and he just yep. fumbled it. So it's just, oh it's God, just, that's yeah. what my point was. This video was, and I'm watching, I'm like, and he just physically looks older as he goes. You look at his shoulders, look at his body, look at his chest, look at all those things, look at his facial features. Well, there's no doubt. I'll put the link below for that clip, by the way. I just don't want to play it. Yeah. Cooperate. It's sad. And look, I like him. I think he's fantastic for the sport. I just, and I get into what I just, we talked about with Justin Gaethje. When I had said, look, I don't want you to keep wrecking your car this way. This was five years ago, maybe even longer than that. Six, seven years ago, I said this about Justin. And he's making the adjustments now. He looks fantastic, dude. Like, that was a very smart fought fight on Saturday night. Yep. Tony, yeah. um, he's just getting older, and his his fighting style doesn't allow for him to 
No. You know, he... It, He's a pressure yeah. fighter. He's a pressure fighter. Justin's a pressure fighter, but I want you to think about this. How many times did you see Justin Gaethje pressing Dustin Poirier in that first round? Only a mm-hmm. couple times. He was mostly the guy that Dustin was forcing him back, but he was accepting mm-hmm. it, and that right there is a huge yeah. change in what you're seeing out of Gaethje. Yeah, I mean, it's just I'm looking at I'm looking at him like, look, this is what six in a row now. Or seven. Just six losses in a row God. for Tony. I want to say six. I think it's six, six in a row. Yeah. Six in a row. Six, yeah. We mean, but where do you go with him on this? You keep him on. You know there's not another title run in the mix. I mean, my honest opinion is he looks depleted, possibly for this weight class. Do you have him go up and fight guys like uh, Michael Chiesa? Do you have him put the weight on? Because he looks very like, like he takes his diet and nutrition seems like very serious, but it's like to the point where almost, what's the word, anemic? Like he looks really just skinny. Yeah. And I'm like, he had muscle, like when I fought him, before I fought him, all those things. Like, he physically had some muscle. He was always kind of skinny, but he always had, he was always had yeah. some muscle on him. No, he's, he's, he's a, a lean, lean fighter. He's a lean, lean muscle. But he's got a body frame yeah. to carry 70. You know, and he does, but he fought at 70 early in his yeah. career. He, he didn't, didn't like, like it. So, but yeah, yeah, I guess it's also as you get older, it's harder to keep the weight on. It really is. Your muscle mass doesn't stay on and it's, it's showing. No, it doesn't. I mean, but uh, if you were to pull up, if I was like, he's not in the top 15 rankings anymore. Uh, it's the first time he's ever, his first time before this fight was the first time he'd been out of the top 15 in like, in like over really? 10 years, over a decade. Yeah, he's been a fucking mainstay. The guy's a fucking savage. Oh, absolutely. He's a fucking beast, dude. He's been in the mainstay. He's been a mainstay in the division. But, like, if I put him against any of these guys, I mean, he just lost to Bobby Green. There's, There's not, not one, one guy, guy in there that I that. think would be a smart fight that for I, him. You know? Um, I agree. I don't know, man. I mean, if I, but if I go up to the 70s, let's see, we go to 70s. Do you put him against someone like a Kiesa, who's mainly grappling? You know, he's got to put the weight. Kiesa used to fight at 55. They... They have similar body styles. I mean, I wouldn't put him against any of the other guys, though. But it, look, if if you went from you know, let's look at Jeff Neal, bad fight, horrible for him. fight. Okay, all right. And this is going what from eight nine is Sean Brady, yeah. bad fight for him. Yeah, he's not going to submit him on the ground. Brady's too strong for him. Yeah. So that's not good. Vicente Luque, not no, a good fight. Can't for take him down. Too big. Okay, Neil Magny. Where's he gonna beat Neil? He's not. Because, I don't know that I could I could see Tony maybe giving him some problems a little bit, but not too like I, I get it. I'm I leaning think, towards Neil. I, in that one, I'll tell you, I think Neil mm-hmm. eats him up on the feet. Yeah, I don't know. And even on the grappling, I'll say Neil. I think is better yeah, as of right now. Overall, Kevin Holland, obviously not. I mean, yeah, you just look at it; it's just not there. You know, Ian Gary. You know, he's no. young, but dude, he's fast. And he's powerful. He's a big guy, too, by the way. He's yes. tall, he's long, he's lanky, but he's yeah. physically. Jack De La Maddalena. No, I'm sorry. Oh. You know, then, then there's Kiesa. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So, it is. It really is. But And then he'd have to take time to put the weight on properly and stuff. I mean, I'm just throwing I'm throwing, throwing out ideas out there. because And he's 40. He's a, he's a big. He's, he's 40. 40. Is he 40? And he's in the lightweight. He's 40. I thought he was only like 38. 40 years old. No, he's it's 40. Yeah. He'll be 40 when? Oh, yeah, he's February. February so 12th. Next year. He's got time. 
<laughs> John. Four, I get four, it. 40 no, years of age in the lightweight division. Tell me how many guys yeah. you know. No, seriously, just you know, just think about this. How many guys do you know that have been in the top, you know, rankings of the lightweight division when they're 40? None. Hello. None. I can't think of one. It's just speed and everything that is is needed for that yeah. weight class. It's hard to hold. That's on. why it's one of the best weight classes in the world in the sport ever. I knew you yeah. were going to go there. I knew you were going to just have to try to put that little well, thing, you know, because heavyweights they can have forty year olds and forty seven year olds fight because damn straight. That's why we're better. <laughs> Nothing like watching fucking the geriatrics people fight in the cage. Forty seven year olds. I'm the best. I have the title. Uh, All right. That's right, baby. Doesn't happen. That's right. Well, doesn't happen in bantamweights and then featherweights. Really? And take any lightweight fighter you want. Let's see him. Let's see him beat him. Oh. The heavyweight champion. I recall this this one time when this guy named BJ Penn in practice was able to beat a, a heavyweight fighter named Randy Couture. I don't recall that. Do you ever practice? You're, you, you, you're talking what practice? Would I, of all people, you, you Allen Iverson loving yes, son am. of a bitch. <laughs> 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 practice, I love me some Allen Iverson, man. <laughs> Love me some <laughs> like, I love it. Uh, All right. All right. Let's go on. Kevin Holland took on Michael Chiesa. And man, he just it wasn't mm. even close. It was there was not one moment in that where you looked and said, Oh, Chiesa is looking good. He was uncomfortable. He was unable to land anything on Kevin Holland. And when Kevin Holland just the way that the fight went, because look, Michael Chiesa is good on the ground. He is a good ground fighter. No, you can't take anything away from him. His wrestling is actually good, and his submission game is really good. It was almost like he was, you know how you get the delays? Mm -hmm. It was like he was on a second delay. He was getting all the information a second behind when Kevin Holland yeah. was doing it. He just seemed like he was out of place in there. When when he you know, sunk in the darts, it was like just set up for him, rolled him over, Sat there for a second, tapped out. Just not, you know, not the kind of uh, performance I'm sure that Michael Chiesa, you know, predicted or wanted. But coming off of a two-year layoff, you know, that's what happens. Sometimes. Yeah, for me, it's the inactivity. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take too much away from it. Uh, there's a couple things: the inactivity from Chiesa, and the maybe just forgetting the length and the reach of Kevin Holland, making it so easy to make that Darce guillotines and things like that extremely tight, really fast. Yep. If you look at the yep. way that the the Diaz brothers have made their career, not just with their boxing and their ability to put pressure, but making you put your head in positions you don't want it to be in. So that opens up their guillotines. I mean, look at that. Remember when he just had, just recently had that street fight. This kid had a couple of MMA fights. He had some pro fights. And within seconds, yep. that kid was in a guillotine getting choked the fuck out. He was he want, unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> he, want, he wanted to smother the space. He wanted to, you know, he didn't want to get outboxed by Nick Diaz. Well, or Nate Diaz. Well, guess Nate, what happened? Yeah. He got slept, son. Like slept rock down there. Yep. <sighs> he was snoring face down, <laughs> ass up. And the thing is, guys like Kevin Holland, guys like Michael Kessa, they've, their body frame, that's why I've always said, tall, long, and lanky really does. It helps you guillotines triangles you know it helps you in a lot of these positions uh darces all of those things it makes it easier for you to set them up makes you easier to finish them makes it you easier to, to latch them in and make them tighter and splits like in a split second 
And so, um, and that's really where I think he has to just cause I'll be okay. And then, Oh shit, this guy I forgot is longer. This gets tight. tight. This gets on quick. And so, uh, it was out. Look, the inactivity is a, is a big part of it, but Kiesa has got to be careful because I mean, I do remember having talks with certain fighters that were on their, um, on their panel of fighters that they use for commentary. And when you stop, when you start trying to do more commentary than fighting, they start dangling things in front of you going, okay, look, commentary is going to go away. So just be cautious and careful because they, they, sometimes they'll leverage at least the fighters I've talked to, they'll leverage this. Like, Hey, you know, we need you to fight. Okay. You're not going to fight then no commentary. And so just be careful, be cautious with those type of things. Um, but I like him. Well, as, I like him as a commentary guy though, as well. Did you hear what Kevin Holland said? Yes, I did. After yes, I did. the fight? I, look, it, look, I also feel this way. Don't kick. That was Joe Rogan. Brutal. I just don't, don't, don't look it right in the moment. Don't kick a man while he's down. That's one. Boy, Joe, this is what I was saying about when I said Joe Rogan brutal. You know, his, when he had the talk with Brendan Schaub yeah. on his podcast, you know, everything he said was accurate. It mm-hmm. was accurate. It was the right thing. But it's just you. You could have had that that talk in private. You didn't have to have it where you had it. And it's a little. That's what makes. Well, it brutal. look. And, and I do you and think I, that Brent? Do you, I do you think Brendan would have taken it the same way had he not done it publicly? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I look. Like, like, there's things that people tell know. me in private that I actually admire and I take. I take to heart. Trevor Prangley saved my career. I say it all the time, man. I say it publicly. I say it. I say it to my friends, my close friends. And I've said. I've told you this several times. I was out yep. being a total douchebag, fucking partying all the time. You know, at clubs all the time on a Wednesday, Tuesday. I found every night to go out, and then I lost to Clay Guida. Found yeah, a reason, I found a reason to. to. And Clay Guida, and I lost to Clay Guida, and then Trevor Prangley waited until after. He's like, I was going to tell you during camp, but I wanted to see if you would just self-destruct. And so after the fight, after I lost, he's like, look, you're doing this, you're doing this. He's like, he even took a little tally. He's like, I remember when I got here the first day. On Tuesday, you went out, and we're only a month out from our fights. He's like, and you went out that night. He's like, and you didn't come home until four. Then you went to training at, you know, at nine or at 10 in the morning. You went and ran in the morning. And so I didn't break my routine, but you're not actually getting better. You're not actually making yourself better on a daily basis. But I was got to get sleep. Yeah, all those things. So uh, I'm not going to, I don't know. It just, uh, I look at this and I I want him to be successful. Kevin Holland, I think, is in this situation. Um, That I felt like he was kicking him while he was down. And I think in the Brennan and the, and the Joe Rogan situation, I was like, look, let's think long-term for you. You're a funny guy. You can be a comedian. You're also, you know, you, he has, he has the gift of gab, all those things. Let's get you, let's start working on the shows, podcast, you with the, doing all these things. It changes life for the yeah. better. Very well done. That's Not what a good friend is it. for. Absolutely. Uh, next fight. All right, we had uh, the, uh, let's say that this was the uh, preliminary main event of Gabriel Bofin John, against Trevin before Giles. Before you get John, do you want to touch on the What's Wonder that? Boy yeah. um, Pereira situation? That's a, That was the main card. Oh, yeah, let's talk about what Wonder Boy uh, decided not to take the fight with Mikel, Mikel Pereira based upon him missing it by, it's actually four pounds when you mm-hmm. think about it, because he, he gets the one pound allowance, but he was 174. That's... You know, four pounds over what's supposed to be the weight class. Yes, he gets the one pound allowance, so it's a three pound miss. But you have to figure out that, you know, Stephen Thompson has had that happen to him before. 
and it didn't work out well for him. The opponent that he uh, fought got the win over him and stuff. So I don't, I don't blame Stephen Thompson in any way for saying, no, I'm not going to take the fight. The real question now is, does he get paid for it? Because at this moment, he has not gotten his show money, even though he did weigh in. He was ready for the fight. But based upon the fact that he was the one that decided, no, I'm not taking the fight once it was offered to him at a you know, disadvantage as far as his opponent not making weight, he would get more money based upon the fact that he gets some of uh, Pereira's money, but he decided not to take it. So he hasn't been paid for it. So that's, it's a hard situation. We'll see if that changes. It might change. You never know. I oh, thought and, that – go ahead. I was, I was going to say, Josh, I would love to get like your thought there as well because his rationale was that um, he's at the point in his career where he shouldn't have to like um, be – sacrificing his his chance at going back for a title shot at almost 40 years old because someone just missed weight because they didn't take the job seriously and weren't professional no, no. and um he's at that age now where he can't afford to to do it and he thinks it like Michael Pereira because he took the Darren Till fight when Darren Till came in overweight um he kind of thinks that right. Ma- uh, Michael Pereira was just like oh, I'll take the fight whatever and I'm not going to bother cutting the weight no here's the thing no fighter should have to jeopardize that situation none your job is to make the fucking weight. That's your job. And when you don't, when you don't, 20% doesn't make up for the fucking loss. If I lose, I lose 50% of my purse. So I'm only getting 20% back. Fuck no. People just think, oh, because you get the 20%, you, they think you're going to automatically win. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You don't, I don't get my 100% and then my extra 20%. It, that's, that's the fucked up part. And so on top of that, and I agree with him in terms of he's at that age where if I do lose, this is if, setting me back. If, if he gets done. a loss, it sets me back. I'm so yeah. done, you know, and um, it just I think there needs to be tougher uh, consequences for fighters that don't make weight. I can't 20 percent is not enough. It's not enough. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying you got to take more money. I'm saying that you've got to do something more. I don't know what it is, but you've got to do something more about it. And and that, that comes from the promotion, that comes from, I don't know, the commissions can get involved. But the, what happens is, and I'm going to be, uh, and, and I speak very highly of my friend all the time, but in one of these situations, he was the bad person in this situation, Anthony Rumble Johnson. He missed weight, and then I, I coached and cornered him when that same time, and I was on him about making weight. He fucking didn't make weight. He missed it by six pounds, and then he fought uh, the Japanese guy. What was his name? Uh, anyways. The guy he fought, he knocked him out in like a minute and a half. I'm not saying the fight would have been any different had he made the weight, but he would have been a lot more depleted to make the weight. It's, it's, it's six pounds, a lot, a lot. A and lot. so, and Rumble was a guy that had power no matter what. But so that's why. But three pounds is yeah. a lot. It just, but in this situation, like that guy, like I never saw that guy again. He was a good Japanese fighter. I know he fought again, you know, after that, like once or twice. I think his name was uh, Yoshida. Was it Yoshida? Can you look up Rumble's record? I don't know. What weight? One seventy. It was at one seventy. Yeah, it was right after I think he fought uh, Luigi Floravante. It was either before that or after that. What was his name? He's gonna kill me now. Right there. Oh, Yoshida. Yeah, it was Yoshida. Yeah, so it was right after he fought Luigi Floravante. Yeah, and then uh, Yoshida and and he missed weight with the Floravante fight also. He missed weight on that fight. So um, it just, there, there was a couple of little things. I mean, look, there's fights. 
I just don't think there's a big enough penalty. Because what happens now, you out there, you get starched by this person who just missed weight by six pounds or three pounds. Okay, so what should the penalty I, John, be? I'm just bringing you the problem, man. I don't have the solutions for this one, dude. <laughs> I can give you. Like we, we've, we've had we've had this conversation in rules committee meetings and things like that about what what could we do different, and you know it's come down to well let's let's take a point to start the fight, so they're a point down in it, they lose the money, and they're a point yeah. down in the fight. But does that really change? It anything? does. It does it really a little bit right because thing? now Hold that on. fighter doesn't want to fight. That's what I'm saying. So now that fighter doesn't want to fight, which puts the promotion in the same situation. But what it does, though, is now it doesn't put all of the emphasis on the fighter, the fighter that made, that made weight, weight having to take the fight. Because now why why would so that really, fighter? So really, you're not you're saying it's not going to make a difference as far as no. the fight itself. It's going to make a difference the blame. as far as the blame. OK, because now Maybe. now the reason why that fight didn't happen is you're fucking fat. You're ass. You're fat ass. Didn't make way. <laughs> well, it's, it's always it the is, reason it didn't happen. But it doesn't ever get ass. portrayed that way. And that's the problem is the problem is like right now they're the UFC or whoever they didn't pay him is basically saying, well, you declined the fight. You could have still fought. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I didn't decline the fight. The guy didn't make weight. There is yes, no fight. No, the guy didn't make weight. There is no fight. That's what happened. The reality is I have a contract that says 170, 171. Okay. He didn't make that. I'm sorry. There's no fight then. That's the rules. So, which is kind of weird to me because I was always under the impression. I've always been told this, even by the California, by Andy Foster. Once I make weight and the other guy doesn't make weight, if I choose not to fight, I get my show money. That's why they have the money in a bond or whatever it's called into a, what, what a pro- they put, they put it into a bond, bond and that money is already there yeah. to make sure that they have enough to pay the fighters. I should have got my show yes. money. I showed up. I made weight. The fight for me, I I, I got it sanctioned, Hold on. I guess. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Andy Foster's not didn't lie to you and you didn't hear him wrong. But again, what did I tell you about commissions? They're all individual different. kingdoms. They all do things different. That's true. So if it was in California, Stephen Thompson may have gotten his money. It's in Salt Lake. I didn't even think about that. I was thinking for some reason I had Vegas and California in my mind. Just, I don't know. Just only. Yeah, Salt Lake. Who knows? I mean, he may get his money when he gets, when Dana gets back, but I don't know, man. It's it's just a shitty situation to be in. I think for those fighters that make the weight, all the emphasis get put, gets put on them. Oh, what a pussy didn't take the fight. Oh, you know, he's scared. If I was scared, I wouldn't have signed the contract. I'm still here. Well, you know, again, I did the, I did all the work. Yeah. I actually made weight. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, this is one of those ones when I was looking at, and I talked to you about it, and we were talking about betting mm-hmm. odds. And I said, there is a bet out there for Steven Thompson to win by KO in the third round that is a you're plus 1,800 mm-hmm. is what it was. And I was like, that's not a bad bet because Pahea, Pereira, he, Pahea, excuse me, he burns out. It could be that he's able to, you know, survive the first round, but he's going to be exhausted. And if he had to lose all the weight to 170 or 171, yeah. it would have made even a even a, a more stark difference true. in how fast he would have gotten tired. It's so. true. I mean, I think it's a shitty situation for um, Stephen Thompson to be in, but hopefully he gets his money. He did his job, yeah. came in. He came in came ready, in to, ready fight. to fight. He's been, he's been a professional yep. his whole career. Everything he does is he's a professional. Yes. The way he talks yep. to fans, the way he is with he's the community. As, he's as good a person as you will find yeah. in this sport. 
All right, next. Prelims. So we did talk we didn't talk about Gabriel Bonfim against Trevin Giles, but I'll tell you what. Bonfim just freaking oh, man. I don't know how to say it without Trevin Giles is a good fighter. And he was just outclassed in every element. You just looked at everything that they did, every engagement they had, be it in the stand-up or when they got in the clinch against the fence. Or when he jumped to that damn guillotine, he was the guy in control of that fight. He was the guy that looked like I can end this at any time. And that's what he did. He just he looked great, and and I have a lot of respect for Trevor Johnson. I think he's a good fighter. You know, he used to be a I think a Houston police officer and left that job because he's good and he can fight. And he dropped from middleweight down to welterweight. But I'll tell you what, there was a stark contrast in just athleticism speed everything between him and Bolfin. yeah i agree Bolfin just seemed like he was on a different level the the, the clean crispness yeah. of his striking the way he jumped that guillotine was fast and he knew he knew once he locked the hands in the position where they were at he jumped it quick yeah and i was like oh shit that's not he didn't think about it he didn't hesitate he didn't try to move his oh, body no, no, no. he he knew once he locked his hands and he felt where the hands should be locked boom jumped very impressive. Great yep. job. He, coming off, too. It's mentally, I think, probably a little bit frustrating. His brother's coming off of a loss. I believe his first loss in his career. And him, still undefeated. But that that kind of messes with your mental a little bit. My main training partner or my main, you know, my brother, whatever it is. It Coming off of a loss. Shit, am I doing everything right? Uh, I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I remember being in camps with people. Trevor was almost always in a camp. We were almost always on the same strike force card. And he was living with me. We're eating the same shit. We're training, doing all the same stuff. We'd run the same time. We'd go to the gym the same time. We'd go to the... Don't tell me he was no, drinking he wasn't Coke. drinking Coke. He was never okay, a Coke person. <laughs> he was never a Coke person. But my point is, is that when you're when the fighter you, you spend the most time with in camp loses, you're like, shit, yeah, did I do everything right? Did, is it going to affect it me? It is disheartening. You know, we're, a lot of us are superstitious, yeah. too. I mean, we don't like to admit it, but we are. We have yeah. little quirks about us that are that way. So... Makes us human. Yep. All right. One, let's, you know, we, we got so much to talk about with other promotions, too. Let's talk about, I want to say real quick, Roman mm -hmm. Kopilov against Claudio Berrio. Look, this fight, if you want to see the perfect demonstration of what going to the body will do for you, because Kopilov continually went to the body, he did it with jabs he did it with hooks he did it with kicks teep kicks roundhouse kicks knees he attacked the body of a barrio where you saw a barrio's hands getting lower and lower and stuff and then he would go up to the head and then a barrio's hands would go high now a barrio had his moment where he, he kind of rocked him and went back but the kick that kapilov ends up landing was all based upon the body shots and where the hand placement of a burial was based upon I'm getting eaten up to the body. I got to stop these. And it was just a well-timed, well-placed, beautifully done. And that's what a solid body yeah. attack will do. For I agree. Uh, I thought he looked great. I thought the head kick was slick and fast. Uh, but, you know, I man. was, I got to be honest, man. I was actually more impressed with Jake Matthews. I thought Kapilov yeah. looked fantastic. But I think to me, Jake Matthews is... He's been putting things together. He's getting a lot better on the feet. He's good on the ground, but also to the, the in this fight, what was it? The uh, the push kick that went up to the gut, and then all of a sudden it yep. it became this. I want to talk to you about this. 
the controversy between the the tip of the foot landed, but it, I could see possibly how the heel went into the cup. What's the conversation in a, as a, as a coach, cor, or not coach, uh, ref or judges? What are you guys looking at for that? Well, you know, this I had someone on Twitter ask me, and it's it's very simple. Look, people are they have this fucking idea, and they they cross over sports all the time, Josh. MMA does not have a low blow foul. Okay, there's no low blow foul. That comes from boxing, and low blow means what? Below the belt. That's where the because they the boxers wear this nice big band, you know. And normally, generally, usually, the referee is able to say as long as that's at your navel, anything below this line is a low blow. That's what the, that's the term they'll use. We don't have that in MMA because we have low blows allowed. I'm allowed to kick you anywhere I want, inside the legs, outside the legs, all low, anywhere. I can punch you. I can elbow you. I can do all these things below the belt. It's a groin shot. And the thing is that anytime the groin is contacted, be it by a, a punch or a knee or a kick that's a legal kick that ends up contacting the groin also, it now becomes a point where the referee can stop the fight and say, hey, you contacted the groin. That's illegal. No matter if it was intentional or you know non-intentional, it's on the return or anything. You move the cup. Did you hit the groin? Mm-hmm. And if the referee can look and say, you hit the groin, I, I have yeah. to give this person their time. That's kind of where I was at That's on that as well. Because, I mean, I, I've, like I yeah. said, in practice several times, you push kick them perfectly, you know, right, right at the belly yeah. button. And your heel shoves in and hits the cup. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen several times. And uh, you see it all the time, too. Guys will throw a knee to the body and their shin or their foot will hook up underneath right under the taint and hit. Just It just happens. Yep. It happens. So, But yeah. I just want to get your take on that and what the explanation would be on that. But I thought Jake Matthews looked fantastic. He stood. He banged. He didn't allow the pressure to get to him. He, did. he didn't fight. He stayed defensively. Didn't get into too many exchanges. He, was, he fought a very smart fight. No, no. No brawling no. exchanges except for yeah, maybe what, one. What um, what? How old is he, Jake Matthews? Yeah, he's I, young. I figured. Can you he's click still on him? Young. How old is he? Twenty-eight. Oh, 28. he's a baby. Still I love young. him, man. I think he's going to be really good. He's got to make some adjustments. He's I think good. mentally, he's got to figure a couple little things out. I think he's a. I think he's a good, good fighter, though. Um, he had a lot of losses early in his career, I believe. Right, trying to make some adjustments, but then now. Uh, he had he had a couple losses and he had a lot of wins and then yeah. a couple more losses in there. But yeah, yeah. He's a, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, grow as a fighter because he he's a, he's a good fighter, good fighter. Yeah, he's fun to watch. All right, uh, I think that's gonna wrap up our talk. I'm gonna give a little honorable mention to Miranda Maverick. It's not easy, like coming off of I think she was coming off of a nice, yeah, comeback. nice comeback. Got a win, grimy, yep. just getting after it, getting after it. It wasn't willing just to settle with being on top. She chased the submission, got the submission. Beautifully done. Fighters, sometimes what happens is takedowns come. You, you're able to control the top position, do some work. They forget about trying to finish the fight, and they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here for the next two minutes, get my win, move on. She was. She wasn't yep. doing that. Nicely done. And uh, and then I don't even know how you say this guy's last name. Uh, Eros Medic. Michik. Eros Medic. So he had a good uh, spinning Midic. back fist. Good fight. Good job. Great performance. It was. And uh, moving on. All right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our UFC talk pay-per-view. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that coverage. Go to, uh, go to onlyfans.com slash Wayne in. Subscribe to us over there for free. Uh, I'll be posting up real quick before we go on. Give me a score of oh, UFC 291. John. Come on. 
I'm going to give it a eight and three quarters. Eight and three quarters. I, I, mine was a nine. Yeah. So I'm a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was going to give it eight and three quarters. I think, only, and look, and it's, no, it's, it's not fair, but I wanted more out of the main event. I'm sorry. It's wow. not fair. Wow. It's not fair. I want yeah, to no, see the slugs a little bit more, but I get it. But remember I said, I said, Justin's not going to fight that way. So I expected that, yep. but I, I wanted a little bit yep. more on the main event, but that was it. Good stuff though. The Bobby Green and uh, the Tony Ferguson yep. fight kind of shocked me. I thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive. Boy, yeah. I'll tell you what, Bobby, Bobby looked yeah. good in that one though. Hey, let's look at speed. Yeah. It's a bitch. It is. It is at the lighter weight classes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so go to OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. Subscribe to us over there. It is free. want to thank you guys. I'm going to post up a bunch of stuff on the content uh, today and uh, talking about, you know, or giving videos of uh, of our of, uh, of us over in Japan. So just kind of see what we ate, seeing like what we did, you know, just kind of hung out. John and I had uh, this really good uh, ramen over there. It was like a tomato. It was a tomato oh, soup ramen. Tomato ramen. Never oh, had man, tomato it was so ramen. good. So good. All right, guys. Well, hey, uh, hopefully you guys join us over there. And uh, we're going to do a live show this week, I believe, on there. Now that John's internet seems to be fixed a little bit. And uh, we can actually do about? a live show. <laughs> we can do a live show now. John was having struggles with the internet about? for a second. So I think we've got it all fixed. And uh, that's why we get to see his beautiful face as much as we have in this show. All right. And uh, let's go into Bellator. Bellator and Ryzen's co-promotion with uh, Pitbull versus D'Souza. Satoshi D'Souza. Um, we're just going to talk about the Bellator card. We'll also give you a little talk on uh, Juan Archuleta and Patricio Pitbull and their performances. And um, in the Ryzen? yeah, was that in the in the, in the Ryzen uh, card? But uh, let's go ahead and talk. Let's go main event right now. You had uh, Satoshi D'Souza who came in on last minute's notice, literally like five six days. Last La- yeah, real last minute call. He was eating at a barbecue. He had some some meat in his hand. He was getting ready to take some more. Get ready to eat some more. He looked at he looked at the food and he put it down and he went and ran. He's like, "Okay, look, let's get after it." I guess. What do you think, John? Well, you know, I, I I couldn't have expected anything mm-hmm. more from him. Again, you come in with little time against a quality opponent. It is not easy for you to do that. And and mm-hmm. really, I'm being honest. When you know when we did our fighter interviews, that was when I knew I was like. My my opinion doesn't have the right game plan to win this fight, but you know that's just I could have been wrong. But you take a look at you know he says you know he's he's going to pace and you know when you're that fighter coming in last minute, you normally generally usually you're going to get the the fighter saying, "Well, I don't have a whole lot of yeah. gas. I haven't been training for this thing, so I'm good with submissions. I'm going to go after him. I'm going to try to get him while he's dry." You know, see if I can, you know, pull off a good submission here. He he decided he wanted to be in the stand-up with him and then shoot for his takedowns. And you could see as they fought. You know, and one of the things that we, you know, you know about Pitbull, I know about, he's got good defensive wrestling. He He's very good at stonewalling takedowns. And his power is he's really changed in the way that he fights. He doesn't have a big output anymore. He waits, yeah. he waits, he waits, and then he'll throw a couple shots and land those shots and have a reaction from them. And he just waits, waits, waits. And he's always looking for that better shot. So his output is not where it's going to be. You know, that's that's not what's going to hurt you, but it is going to be those single shots that land that do damage to you that make you go, I, I don't want to have that touch me again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened with D'Souza in the fight. You know, D'Souza came out. The leg kicks were a little bit of a problem for him in the beginning. I talked about it even on the broadcast. I said, look, he's, he's going to have to address 
that low calf kick that you can only take so many. And eventually that's what put him down. But I think it was also, it, that was just part of it. I think it was his inability to be effective anywhere in the fight just started to mentally wear him down also. And he was facing someone that he called professor, you know, mm. when we had our fight, you know, me, I didn't even think it, about there's that. A, there's a, there's yeah. a, a respect factor there that it's tough to get past, you know, and I, I give him uh, nothing but credit for taking the fight, but you know, he just didn't have the experience at this point. He is the rising lightweight champion and I take nothing from him. I think he's a fantastic fighter. He's fun to watch because he finishes fights. He's phenomenal in his transitions with his submission game. But yeah, there was just too much respect from the beginning to the man that he was going to fight in Patricky. And I don't blame him for it. You know, Patricky deserves it, but you could see that. And it just started to be a downhill slide from, from when that fight started. Very true. Very true. I, I, I looked at it the same way. I looked at where uh, I thought Satoshi should have pushed the pace, should have got into his face right away, try to catch him while he was dry. Do what he did the way he fought um, uh, Musayev, Tofik Musayev. He came out, yeah. biggest change. He was a dangerous dude Very on the feet. Dangerous. And so I just I looked at it that way. I thought, you know, just get on the grind. get Try to get to a single leg. He kept trying to shoot double legs. I was like, ah, maybe more to the single leg, then work your way to the double, then maybe to the body lock. He does that very well. He just didn't do it in this fight. I don't know. It just, but I'm not going to take anything away from him, man. The guy took the fight on six days notice. No. Was literally at a barbecue, Absolutely. you know, eating, eating yep. and, you know, hanging out. And so, you know, there's nothing. I think he is a fantastic fighter. He's a phenomenal fighter. He's a great champion too. And so I'm looking yep. forward to seeing yep. what he does moving forward. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Look, I, I wasn't, I'm going to, I'm going to, I wasn't as impressed with what I was expecting out of this Bellator card. John, no. you know, it just, you know, how many times we've had fights or not just ours, but I'm saying all fights across the board yeah. where in, especially like in this next fight, it seems like the night gets ruined when like a fight ends by a headbutt or it does, you know, or an eye all poke the time. or a growing shot. Okay. Here, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask so, you early. Give me a score on this card. Oh, yeah. Just, Four. Four. Yeah. Damn. I'm sorry. There was bitch. one. There was one good fight on it. No, uh, there was two good fights. Yeah, there was two. There was Magomed yeah, Magomedov and Danny Sabatello. I Absolutely. thought the other two fought their asses off, but I just it wasn't it wasn't a. They could have both done more. I'm, I'll explain to you when we get into that fight. But look, main event, I mean, there's the circumstances. It just wasn't what it could have been. Uh, Horiguchi versus Takahashi, you know, and, um, and Shinyu. What, what's yep. your, what was your take outside of like, I, the, what was one exchange? I poke, done. One exchange, I yeah. poke, done. Okay. What more can you say? That was it. No, I mean, well, it, 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 it was, here, it was already kind of a slow night. Here's the problem. Yeah, it is, absolutely. But here's the problem is you don't know and you never will exactly what yeah. that fighter is mm -hmm. feeling with the damage to their eye. And, you know, and I can, you know, I've had my eyes, you know, screwed up by all kinds of things, but poked in the eye. And there's times when I've been poked in the eye and it's like, blink it out, it's no big deal. And there's times when the, my, you know, cornea has been scratched and it's like having sand sitting in your eye the entire time 
And so you, and it doesn't, I got pictures of eye pokes that you look and you go, that is second knuckle deep. The eye is that, you know, fingers that far in that eye socket. And the, the fighter got back in the fight because it didn't scratch, you know, the cornea and he was able to pull himself out. I can't say how bad it was for Makoto Shinru. I, I can't say, you know, that he, you know, had an eye that he should have gone back with. I, I know there's a, there's a young kid in Knoxville named Dre Miley, who is a one-eyed fighter. He's he's blind in one eye. Similar, you know, but you know, Michael Bisping can be another way can sit there and say, oh, you can fight with one eye. Uh, yes, you can. I don't expect anybody yeah. else to. You're you're you you made that decision. You know, you're used to it. Okay, but you know it's it's tough, and I can't say what you know Shinyu's eye was like. He said that he couldn't you know he couldn't see out of it. I, I'm gonna have to believe him, and uh, say let's just put the fight together again somewhere else. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, next fight. Ah, uh, we had Kana Watanabe against Vita Ortega. I thought it was a good scrap. You obviously were not impressed, but I thought that Vita Ortega fought her ass off in this. I thought she did a lot of really good stuff in framing out, keeping Watanabe from being able to be successful in most of her takedown attempts, and there was a ton. And she landed good strikes overall. I th I had Ortega winning. The judges did not. I don't know how they gave the first round to Watanabe, but they yeah. did, and they all did. But I, it had to be based on the, the last little bit that happened in the round is the only thing I can think of. It's like, did you forget everything else? But okay. You know, but uh, I, I looked at it. I thought it was a, a definite hard battle for both of them. I thought both of them showed a lot of guts in it. Both of them went after what they were best at. And in the end, the judges gave it to Kata Watanabe. Yeah. It, it was a good fight. They battled back and forth. You know, one was trying to... Hold it. What did you just say? To, it was good, but it, it, what but it did didn't you live just up say? to what it could have been. No, Stop it right it there. You no, just said it was, it was a good right. fight. I, I, I like Vita. I think I thought she... I thought in the first round, if she would have fought the rest of the fight that way, she as the fight went on in the second and the third round, she started just throwing one shot. One shot. In the yeah. first round, she yeah. was throwing one, one, two, one, two, three, and then back to defending the takedown. Um, I, yeah. that's all I think. Look, when the judges brought up the decision, I say this probably at least once a week on our show, it wasn't a robbery. It was a close fight and you can't be mad at the decision when it is a close fight. Vita definitely won the first right. round though. So I don't know what the hell the judges were looking at. There was just no okay, way there you go. of saying that she lost the first round. She rocked Watanabe at least twice, at least twice. And she hit her with the harder, cleaner shots and she never got, and then Watanabe didn't. Did she ever even get a takedown of the first round? Yeah, right at the end, and she did a little, you know, a little tiny, you know, you know yeah, right hand action to 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 land some a couple of shots, but not enough. To yeah, take it just out. yeah. So and then the second round was very close, and the third round was very close. But I felt like Vita had she won the third round, should have won the fight, but she should have had a couple more combinations. She was letting her back her back get pushed to the fence. She was letting Watanabe she close was? the space. She was letting Watanabe control the distance. If she she has a fantastic jab, and that right hand was finding its its mark every single time she threw it. Throw yep. throw the one, throw yep. the one two, throw the two three. Like she just wasn't she wasn't active enough. So I mean, honestly, when I look at this fight, I'm like, yeah, it could have been more. It could have been could have been more exchanges on the feet by Vita, and it could have made uh, Watanabe press a little bit harder on trying to get those takedowns. There was a lot of just this in the middle 
Um, one shot, one shot. Okay, let me just push you to the fence and grab you. And I expect more out of number three and number seven, by the way. That's all. That's okay. what that's where I'm gonna lie all on right. that. You're not gonna change my mind. Yeah, I, I thought that was that was a good, well fought fight, especially I thought by Vita. I thought Watanabe had a lot of problems, mm -hmm. but was gutsy yeah. and you know, stuck with what you know was her game plan for the fight, you know, and she took a lot of shots doing it, but uh Overall, I thought it was a good fight. But Magomed Magomedov yeah. against Danny Sabatello. This is the one that you said was a great fight, good performance. So I'll let you talk. Well, about I thought it was that. a great – look, when I mean by great fights, <laughs> great fights normally are the ones where both of them make a bunch of mistakes and, you know, it ends up going the distance or, like, someone gets finished with, like, a second left on the clock, that kind of thing. Those are great fights. Um, It's just like a – what do you call them? Slobber knockers? It's one of those, yeah, Robert one Hunter. of those things. This was one of those fights where you could see that Danny Sabatello's mind was working the whole time. Like, okay, look, I can't go jumping in because of the flying knees, because of the spinning back kicks, spinning back fists. But I also can't just shoot a crappy ass shot because this guy's got wrestling. So he he was he was having to work this whole thing out in his mind. Um, it was more of the spinning attacks that I think were kind of getting to him mentally in terms of how he had to approach his takedowns. Uh, Magomed Magomedov has fought. Everybody that's that's at the top of the food chain, you know, I mean, he's fought Peter Yan, he's fought Danny Sabatelli, he's fought um, Rafael Stotts. I mean, he's fought Patchy Mix. He's fought all the best guys right now in the world in that division. And so when I look at where he, he just is so calm, so patient out there. And when he saw the opportunity to get to that, that guillotine, he took it. And it was just slick. It was smooth. You know, and um, and I and we had talked about this leading up to the fight and the whole oh week. My God. And I said, hey. Danny sometimes because he shoots his double legs, he leaves his head in the wrong position for too long. Cannot afford to do that against him. And I feel the same way if he was to fight Patchy Mix. You cannot afford yeah. to put your head in the wrong position against these two guys. They're quick on that transition and their body styles. Even though even though Danny is the longer fighter, that Magomed's he is against yes. Magomed, but he wouldn't be he against Patchy. But I'm saying against Magomed Magomedov. Magomed is someone, though, is he has like gangly arms. Light, his legs seem a little bit like gangly. He's, so, he's kind of a skinnier fighter. He has the same he, reach. Oh, does he? So he's got yeah, longer arms. Just, so I'm thinking to myself, yeah. I'm like, damn, man. Like, this is, this is crazy. So to think that Danny just had to be very patient, and Danny doesn't fight patiently. Just He's got to find the way to start working on that a little bit. But because you can get away with it in training doesn't mean you can get away with it in a fight. Every fighter is different. Sure. Every person you step in there with, they're going to do something that you're just not, you haven't seen, you haven't felt, you're not, you've never dealt with before. Almost every fighter will bring that to the cage. They have their little tricks up their sleeve. And in this situation, man, Danny ran into it. Danny drove more in, drove, drove more into the takedown and led him into the, into the tight guillotine. So, yeah, especially with that when that hand got mm -hmm. trapped. Yep. Was in yep. But you, you take a look at it, and let's be honest. Danny Sabatello is going to be a problem for a, a lot of guys based upon what he is. And what he is is what I call a high RPM fighter. He runs his fights at a high RPM and he dares you to stay with him, you know, at that pace because he's going to break you down if you don't get the submission. If you, you know, if you can't catch him, He's going to break you down with pace and pressure and putting you on the mat and just revving that engine and making you work past that mm -hmm. comfort zone. That's what he is. But he's always going to have to be careful of the guys like Magomed or Apache where this is a guy, submission-wise, he will catch you. 
you make one mistake in where you decide to put your head on the takedown or where your hands are going to go or anything, they can catch you because they're that mm-hmm. slick with it, and that's what happened with it. But I think he's going to be back. I, you know, I, I love Sabatello's. Uh, I love him as a fighter. I love him as a person. He cracks me up. But I, lo- I love the fact that even his opponents know. They everybody that I've ever seen, you know, they'll say, "Man, you know, he's he's a he's a talker. He's a big mouth, but he doesn't cross the line." And I love that about him because he 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 tries to promote the fight. He will say all kinds of, and I keep on telling him, "Quit saying your opponent sucks," because if your opponent, you know, if you have a hard time with him, that's saying you're having a hard time with someone that sucks. If he beats you, then the guy that sucks beats you. I go, I said, you know, I said, you want to say he sucks compared to me? Okay, but they'll say yeah. he sucks. I mean, he's fun. He's a good guy. He was on our oh, flight. Yeah, he was on great. our flight too. So he's a good guy. Nice guy. Uh, Andre Korshkov versus Lorenz Larkin. You know, I thought Andre Korshkov thought fought the fight that he needed mm-hmm. to to beat Lorenz Larkin. They, they had a just a fucking beautiful fight the first time, and he needed to stay away from the moments that Lorenz Larkin was successful. I thought in this fight, I thought Lorenz just let it yeah. go by. I thought he, you know, he was relaxed. So I even said it, you know, during the commentary, during the fight, I said, look, Lorenz is, you know, he's got his back. He's just relaxing right here. He's letting Korshkov work. And, you know, because it's in Japan and you can hear everything. And he was basically right, you know, in front of me. And he turns his head. He goes, yeah, you're right, John. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, but you needed to turn it up because at the end of that fight, and I say this all the time, Andre Korshkov was spent. He was exhausted. And Lorenz Larkin is, you know, just mo- jumping around, moving around. He's got all kinds of energy, and it's like Lorenz. Yeah, man, you sh- if you had burned that energy during the fight, there might have been the difference in you getting the win here, and you now walking away with a loss against a guy that I'm being honest. I think you proved you should be the guy coming out with yeah. the win. I've, but you didn't. Do I, it. I fought very similarly against uh, Bobby Green. Just cruised. Pressed against the fence, yeah. just kind of like looking around in the crowd. I mean, I don't know. There's days you have those days. You're like, I'm so you. You're like, you feel like you're in such phenomenal shape, but it's not a five round fight. And he literally gave away the first round just by sitting on his butt, going, "Oh, I'm good. Oh, yeah. I'm just gonna chill. I'm gonna let yep. him keep working. Yep. I'm gonna kind of try to get up a little bit, but not really. Try to get up and just put pressure yeah. on his arms. Yep. Just give gave well, away the did. fight. It was a split decision loss. I mean, you gave you gave away that first round. That that's pretty much what happened. So. That sucks. It is what it is, man. But I mean, um, at his age, like he's just—he's got a. I mean, he's really just out here trying to make as much money as he can. He—I feel like he could have made a run for the title, but not not. I think he not still can. Like that. I think he can fight with yeah, anybody can. there, because most of the time, you know, like he's—he's he's not easy to take down. Korshkov's wrestling has gotten damn good, and for the most part, Larkin mm-hmm. stopped most of his takedown attempts. But when he got him, he didn't get himself up in time. Especially in the first round, he didn't even try. All right, well, hey, let's go ahead and uh, that's going to wrap up our Bellator talk. Let's go right into oh, Juan Archuleta. Juan winning the title, buddy. Juan Archuleta going against Ogi Kubo. Uh, man, first off, Ogi Kubo is a, is a good fighter. I've I've always enjoyed him. He's he was part of the Ultimate Fighter. You know, I don't know what season it was, but it was the one with uh, like Brandon Moreno and all them. And I think he went to the finals of that one, but. He's just a tough, you know, in-your-face, good wrestling, but just doesn't have big power in his hands. And is if he can't get the takedown, 
it's usually a difficult fight for him. And I thought it would be difficult for him to get the takedowns on Juan. Juan's, you know, a good wrestler also. So Juan ends up, you know, three rounds, gets the decision. He deserved it. He did the more damage with his, the striking and everything. And you got to give it up for Juan Archuleta. Take a look at, man, this is a guy, I want to say he was a, was he four weight classes in King of the Cage? Now, that's, that is King of the Cage. I'm not, you know, but I think he got four weight, four belts wow. in different, four weight Just classes. having to jump the weights like okay. that is just horrible. That's just crazy. But, you know, that's, it is King of the Cage. So, it, you know, it's not like, oh, when you look at, uh, like Patricio going for that third title, that's different. Or if someone in the UFC was going for a third title, if it was, you know, Connor or someone in a different weight class, fine. That's totally different. But, He's been the bantamweight champion in Bellator. And now he's the bantamweight champion in Ryzen. Boy, he's had one hell of yeah, a career. He has. he has been impressive, and he's fought the very best there is out there at times. And he's always in the fight. He had the fight, you know, they lost to Rafael Stotts, you know, in the bantamweight you know, Grand Prix for Bellator, where he was looking yeah. great in that fight. He was really looking like he was sharp and, and on point, and he got hit by. It was supposed to be a kick, but the knee is what hit him and, and hurt him, and he put, put him out of the fight. But congratulations, and man, what a what a phenomenal career he has had at this point, and winning that belt now at a different weight class in a different country. He loves fighting yeah. in Japan, so that's a great place for him. And a not so happy uh, experience in Japan was Patricio Pitbull. Well, this is you know we talk all the time about you know you take things last minute. It is not easy. We just talked about, you know, Roberto, you know, Roberto, you know, Satoshi D'Souza taking on his brother. You know, it's there's a reason why you do a fight camp, Josh. You know that everything is about peak performance and getting to that peak performance. And everything is a cycle. You're cycling yourself up to this point where you are physically the best you can be for that one day. That one moment, you are putting yourself in a position where, you know what, cardiovascularly, you know, muscular strength-wise, speed-wise, everything, you're trying to get everything to mesh into that one moment. So when you step into that cage, that is the best you can be. And if you don't do those things, you don't have camps or you don't train, then you're never going to be your best. You're, you have a name and you're someone that's there, but coming in with, you know what did he, what did he take this with three days? Yeah, no, I think he took it on Monday. Notice? I think he took it on Monday. Okay, so if he took it on Monday, so he had like five days notice. Yeah. Okay, so and you take a look and you go, and you went up. Your last fight was at bantamweight, yeah. and this fight was at yeah. lightweight. You skipped a weight class in the middle there. Decided to go right to the second. Yeah, one. let's just. I'm just gonna just skip all the way past featherweight again and go right up to. And take on a guy who's a damn good stand-up yeah, fighter in Suzuki. The, dude, it, on the feet, Toshiro Suzuki is a hell of a fighter. He can bang. Now, you take him to the ground, a little bit different. But this is what happened. Yeah, I was expecting a submission to come in there somewhere, somehow. But I think as you we, get tired. Right, did, did we not talk yeah, about this? And what did I tell you? It all goes out the door once you get tired. <laughs> and I said... If he wants to win this, he better yeah. take it to the ground. Because in the stand-up, that guy can bang. And giving away the way. I mean, uh, I get what you're saying. The, it's yeah. size. I don't know if it's so much size. I mean, I would say yes a little bit. The reach and the, the height, all those things, it becomes a little bit more difficult to get in. Patricio's been dealing with that shit his whole life. I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to say it was simply came down to the conditioning. 
Because after the first couple Hold takedown it. attempts Hold on. and then stop. Stop. When you're talking about who have you seen Patricio fight lightweight? I gotta ask you this. Who have you seen him fight lightweight? His brother. Go ahead. Every single nope. fucking day he trains with the brother at lightweight. Yeah, I'm not saying that. Fight. Okay, yeah, Michael Chandler. Not trade against. Okay, and Michael Chandler is a stump. Yeah. Okay. Suzuki's not a stump. Yeah, so the takedown should have came easier. He's tall. John, I'm going to keep doing this to you, buddy. If he would have tried to take him down, never tried to John, take him down. He did try. That's what led to him getting hit and clipped in that exchange. Yeah. My, my, well, that's that's because he, he was getting because he was getting eaten yeah. up on the feet. But that's my point. My point is he should have got to try to get the takedown as soon as possible. We had talked yes. about that. Once the first, once you couldn't get it anymore, once you were tired, once the exchanges weren't going your way, then no, guess what? It's the snowball effect. That shit just piles up, and you're like, damn, this is this is not the way I expected this to go. It's quicksand. Your feet get stuck. I'm in not the gonna mud. make excuses for him, but I mean, like, he does have an impending uh, neck surgery coming up. He's got some neck problems. He had made it public. He's talking about it now. So, yeah. uh, I think really what it came down to is like, hey, I'm gonna get another big time paycheck because we all know Japan plays well. They pay well. And uh, look, I'm going to take the fight on short notice, get this done. Now I just fought recently against Sergio, fight this one. Now I'm going to take some time off. Two losses first time in, in his career. Run. First time in his yeah. career. 40-something fights, first time in his career. It's nuts. Anyways, all right. Well, hey, let's uh, go ahead and talk about some news. What else you got for us? We'll do all one right, or two thing. news things. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh sorry. We, we got, got, we got This we is got, a wrap-up story. I was going to say. No, I don't want a wrap-up story. We got to talk <laughs> about a, Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. This is our wrap-up story is the Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, John. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Ah, look, th there was so much buildup on this fight, and, and, you know, everyone had an opinion. And, you know, it was like, you know, Morrow, who's the guy calling the fight? You know, I said, John, who's going to win this fight? And I said, like, Terrence, Terrence Crawford's going to win this fight. No way. Errol Spence is going to beat him. And it, and that's the best part of this fight is you had it 50-50. 50 percent of the people thought Errol Spence was going to win. Fifty percent thought Terrence Crawford was going to win. I tell you what was the surprising part of it was I thought it was you know a good fight, uh, and I thought both guys you know obviously were champions and they had a chance of winning. It was so clearly evident how much better. Terrence Crawford was from the second round on. The first round, they both had this feeling out. You know, they're feeling each other out. Nice. You, there was a moment when Terrence Crawford got hit by Errol Spence. And it was a clean shot, beautiful right hand, and it hit him clean. And you could see Crawford's head snap, and he just kind of looked back at him, did a little, and stepped forward. And you were like, oh, yeah, yeah. Ter Terrence Crawford's going to mm -hmm. eat him up. Errol Spence is in trouble because Errol Spence could not keep Crawford from doing anything he wanted, wherever he wanted, at any time. He controlled the pace of the fight. He controlled the positions of the fight. He was the one deciding when the engagements would actually occur because Spence was, when he did, he was missing and he stopped doing things it, from the second round on. You know, there was three knockdowns in this fight and he systematically just dominated an outstanding mm -hmm. fighter and just showed how good he is 40 and 0 now what i saw was the speed of terrence crawford was forcing earl spence into fighting a a sloppier fight than he had to he was having to load up a little bit more to get in close he was lunging in kind of with his head down i know he's done that before in the past 
but you could tell yeah. that the speed, he was almost like, you know, when fighters, when you're sparring and someone's faster than you, kind of like blink a little bit in hesitation, whether you're going to get hit or not. I felt like those were the moments that Earl Spence was creating because he was trying to close that distance so fast to put his head in close so he couldn't get dropped or he couldn't get hit clean. And he, he ended up, remember he got dropped with a little right uppercut. Be, oh, that, it was a beautiful because right Because he lunged, was so well he lunged in so much. Yep. And so what happens is when someone is, let me, let's see if I can explain this properly. When somebody is faster than you, you tend to throw harder and as fast as you can every single time. And as the fight goes on, what does that yeah. do to your, your energy? It depletes it. And so that's exactly what was happening. And, and it was just like quicksand. As you start doing that more often throughout the rounds, you're getting more tired, which means that you're loading up even more. You're telegraphing even more and you're easier to hit all of those things. It was a snowball effect. He just was getting clipped. He was getting hit in every little situation. Every time he went to throw, he got touched. And look, it doesn't have to be hard when you touch him. It just ruins their rhythm. It ruins what they're doing. And then that mentally starts playing with them. It starts breaking their cardio down. It starts breaking their endurance down. It starts taking away their game plan. They go back to their corner. They just look just confused. They're like, man, there's just no way. Corners, your corner eventually can't start getting through to you because everything you're doing out there that they're telling you to do is not working. Nothing's working. And so yeah. I felt bad at points for Earl Spence where I was like, man, I know you're, I know you're good, but just right now, this is Terrence Crawford's night. And I was almost wondering when the, when the corner was going to maybe start thinking about throwing the towel in. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because you talked to me about Harvey Doc, who was the referee of that fight. You said, don't you think he, he stopped? Yeah, that yeah. I thought, but, but I, I didn't watch down. the whole fight yet because we were watching the highlights. So okay. I had to go back and watch the fight, John. <laughs> I had to go back and watch the fights. We just saw the I'll clips. Give it to you. We saw the clips because I was like, wait, I'll that's what he stopped you. this fight off of? And I was like, wait, he had to have gone down it, like six or seven it, times in the fight. It was, it was, yeah. It was just uh, giddy. This is what you, when we talk about, and I'll, I'll make statements like, look, I'll let you. I'll let you swim into the deep waters. I'll let you get taken into deep waters. But if when your head starts to go below the surface, and you're starting to drown, I'm going to stop your fight. I'm not going to let mm -hmm. you drown. And that's what you saw with the stoppage of Errol Spence in this fight. Because yes, he didn't go down again, and Harvey Doc st mm -hmm. you know, stepped in and stopped it because he was drowning. Yeah. He was only going to accept damage. And be a worse fighter from that point on. So I thought that Harvey Doc yeah. did a great job when he decided to stop the fight. It was clear who the better fighter was. And, you know, Errol Spence can come back and, and get a rematch on another day and maybe. Let me ask you this different fight at yeah. 154? I don't think between yeah. the two. No, between three other people, John. Of course, between these well, two. I mean, like, if you, you know, if you're going to say, you know. John. <laughs> I. I'm going to say this. Years ago, Terrence Crawford was in the Gleason's gym in New York. And there wasn't a fighter in there that held a candle to him. And there were some good guys in there. And I was in there. And no one held a candle to him. It was like watching uh, fucking men amongst boys. And when the only times I've ever seen Terrence Crawford not look exceptional was when he was fighting someone that he knew was not no danger to him and he was kind of bored with him and just playing he was on point for this fight he knew that this was a fight that a lot of people were looking at like 
oh, he was going to lose. And he wanted to show everyone that what he could do. And man, you know, the, I know, you know, Charlo was there and I know he was even talking to Charlo during the fight, you know, <laughs> knock Spence down, Spence is getting countered and he's talking to Charlo saying, yeah, you're next, mm. you know? And I think, you know, Charlo's a great fighter. I don't think he no. can fight with him. And I think at 154, same thing happens. Yeah. You think it's no, no, different? No, I, no, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think so. Only based on because the speed is still going to be there. You know, uh, and on that speed's going to continue to create problems for, for Earl Spence or for anyone else that fights him. He's fast and he's accurate. He throws straight. He throws straight from the chin. Super accurate. From the chin to the face. Yep. You know, and he's accurate with his shots. He doesn't miss him because... He's a yeah, sniper. exactly. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I, the weight, maybe, because now, you know, Spence may not be as depleted, but let's, let's all be honest. Earl Spence has not been the same fighter since he was in his car accident. So... I think it's, it's yeah, and so um, you know, people are already calling for him to retire. I'm like, Jesus, oh, like, come on, man! Like the guy loses one fight, and that's that's the, the fight. biggest problem with boxing. And he, and, and he he lost a fight to a to a fucking guy that's a pound for pound. Fucking the biggest phenom. problem with boxing is that though once the O goes or once someone loses, it's like oh they're done. They they just they oh, just no throw good. them away. Yeah. Fucking it's like like garnish to the side, right? Like how you pull the panties to the side. Like that's kind of what they do. They just get rid of it after that, and that's. <laughs> I don't understand. Can yeah. you explain that to so, me, please? It's like, <laughs> but it's, you know, and so I feel bad because like the kid, uh, he's not a kid, but this guy is extremely talented. Yes. Extremely talented. So what are we having this conversation where he should retire? People have called for his retirement. Now. I'm like, what are you talking about? All those, all those are the same people that are, you know, that when you're looking, they're saying, oh, he's going to win, you know? So he lost. And again, Eight yes, he lost, but who did he Eight lose five. to? He lost to Terrence Crawford, who is a fucking animal. He's a savage. And the best there is in that, you know, weight class, he's undefeated himself. And it's like, so he lost a fight. Big deal. Congratulations, yeah. Errol. Go enjoy the money exactly. you made on that fight. Exactly. You deserve. deserves it. All right, guys. Hey, that's going to wrap up our show. Go to Wayne in fans. Sorry, go to Wayne in merch.com. Wayne in <laughs> fans. Wayne in fans. Wayne in merch.com. Pick up some of our apparel there. We want to appreciate you guys for continuing to support us. Onlyfans.com slash Wayne in. Subscribe to us over there. Thank you, guys. I know we're late on this. This has been, we know John are going to get another show in here for tomorrow for you guys and uh, try to get that thing up by Thursday morning. We want to thank you guys for hitting us up on Twitter following us, doing all these things, staying staying with our podcast. And uh, look, some of the traveling is going to start to die down a little bit, you know, the big traveling anyways. And so we're going to um, we're gonna try to be, get back onto our routine, you know, our Sundays and our Monday, whatever, and then our Tuesdays and Wednesday drops. So I want to thank you guys for being fans for uh, of us and supporting us and, and hitting us up. John, take us away. For what he just said, ditto. See you guys.